is an eight iron and it's a dead shank. Wow. Way right. Oh, Take that shank. off the path. You gotta be kidding me. Very tough pitch shot right here. You gotta hit it into the hill. One hop up and bite and it's in. Kind of like that. Well, I would like to welcome Bernie Garson to the Sub-70 podcast. Uh, Bernie, it's been uh, been looking forward to this because you've been on a hell of a run with this product. You're definitely making, I would say, making your mark in the golf industry. And congratulations on all of it. Like, this is going to be a fun conversation of that journey and and how you've kind of gotten, you know, Garson to be in the mainstream conversation, you know, in our industry. So congrats on that. And we're looking forward to the conversation on our side here. Well, Jason, thanks a lot for having me on. I'm really excited to be here with you this morning. And, uh, yeah, it's been quite a run the last month or so, actually. It's been really exciting. Uh, Tony Finau, right? Like, you always have seen the talent, you know, the ball striking and kind of putting it all together, you know, which is hard. It's hard, really hard to win on tour. But, you know, what a run he has been on. And, and I know you know him well. What have you sort of seen from him of, you know, how he has, you know, those two weeks in a row and, you know, he's going to be on the President's Cup team and this sort of, you know, lack of a better word, excellence that he's shown this season. What's the difference? Well, it's it was really funny. After his first win, I was up at Detroit and I was talking with Tony. And Tony's just got the most laid-back attitude that you, you couldn't even believe as a tour player. His, his mood never changes. I mean, you, you don't see him on the golf course, you know, getting upset about anything. He's kind of like a Lydia Coe who's always smiling and always happy on the LPGA tour. But with talking with Tony that week in Detroit on the putting green, it was kind of funny. Uh, my last words to him is that let's, let's make it a back-to-back win. And he kind of laughs. Sure. Let's do it. And he, he goes out and does it. You know, so it was, it was kind of, maybe I should travel every week on the PGA tour and say, come on, let's win again. But, you know, I'm, I'm really excited because all three of Tony's wins have been in the Garson grip. The first win in Puerto Rico was with the Max 15-inch grip, which I designed for him, especially because of his bigger hands. And then, uh, you know, he's tried the quad non-taper. He put it well with that grip for a little while, but he's just really adapted to the ultimate grip with his, with his grip style, which basically, as you know, as well as I do, the ultimate allows you to basically place your hands in any type of position you like and kind of create your own putting grip. Is there more and more pros starting to adapt or adopt the grip at this point? Like once they see the success of Tony or other guys that you're working with, is it sort of like a virus in a good way where they see it, they come talk to you? Is it starting to really get momentum from that direction? If so, like what other pros are you kind of working with at this point? Well, you know, I travel on on the PGA Tour and the Corn Ferry Tour, and you know, the Corn Ferry Tour is kind of like the the stepping ground coming up to the PGA Tour. And the guys out there are really in tune to seeing what other players are doing. Like Carl Yuan, who's currently number one, the number one list on the money list on the, on the Corn Ferry Tour, is in the Max Grip. And I went out to Louisiana the week after he had won with the Max Grip and. Just that week alone, had three of three of the other Asian players, you know, put the putter in play, uh, and it's just a constant thing out there. The more people see, the more they want to try, and also adapt to something new. The PGA Tour, it happens, but not quite as oftenly as, as on the Corn Ferry. There's so much more involved out on the PGA Tour when you got to deal with the players, coaches, and their, their agents, and just a lot. There's a lot going on out on tour. <laughs> 
How did you start working with our guy, Zach Fisher? How did that relationship come about? And I don't know if there's a better human being in professional golf than Zach. We're so proud of like what he's done this year to get through Q school, you know, get his card for next year on Corn Ferry. Step one is done and you know he's competing to get his PGA tour card here in the final event. So great story and better human being. And you know, how'd you start working with him? Oh, Zach is the greatest guy. The funny story there was he was playing with, uh, Jared Wolf many years ago. I don't know if it's the Bahamas or somewhere. And Jared got a little bit upset after the end of the round and kind of like tossed his putter and threw it up against a tree. And Zach, I guess, picked up the there. Jared said, you want the putter? And Zach said, sure. He took it. And I guess he had the putter straightened. And he's been playing that same putter ever since. I mean, probably two, three years now, uh, from what I recall. And just from after him winning Q school, you know, I reached out to him. Hey, Zach, I'm really proud of what you've accomplished. You know, I'm here for you if there's anything you ever need. So I sent him some grips. And then in the midseason on the Corn Ferry Tour, I went out on tour and I met with him. And just week by week that I'm out there, I've gotten to know him more and more. And I'm sure you've known, probably seen the custom grip that I've done for him with his custom logo on it and the yep. tennis colors. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's. I mean, I love working with Zach, and like I said, we always, you know, you and I are just a. They're they're the talent, but we're like the small portion behind it to try to give them all the ammunition they need to compete out there, right? Like, I wish I was good enough to play, you know, professionally. I never will be. So that's like as close as I can get to it. It's such a rewarding feeling, isn't it, to kind of help those guys and see them succeed and kind of watch them live their dream. Well, not not only that, but to actually like now, I remember when I started the company and I was kind of like, yeah, I would just love for one guy to put my grip in play. But now to see the Garson brand on TV weekly, you know, up in the, up on the leaderboard, you know, up in the top of the leaderboard is, is kind of a thrill, you know, not just on, you know, I can say on the PGA tour, the corn Ferry tour, LPGA tour, you know, it, it's, it's, it's exciting. Well, you've had a, a really interesting background uh, outside of golf, and then we'll get to the technology of how the Garson Grip came about in, in that process. But, like, I know you did modeling in Europe in the, like, late 80s and in the 90s. Like, what an interesting story. Like, how did that come about? How much fun was it? And is there any uh, good uh, stories you can share about kind of doing something, you know, that's uh, definitely different but exciting? Well, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of exciting moments. There were a lot of moments like, you know, you're kind of just saying, what am I doing in this business? But, yeah, it, w- it was quite a ride. I actually never expected it to last as long as it did and have the career that I actually did have doing it. You know, I've, I started off in L.A. doing some small things and things like that. Then a friend of mine was living over in Europe, said you should come over to Europe and, try, and give Europe a try. So, you know, I packed up my bags and decided to go to Europe and landed in Barcelona. And the next thing I know, you know, I'm traveling throughout Europe, Italy, Germany, France, Greece, Spain. You know, I lived in South Africa for a year and just, you know, did tons of work, over 300 TV commercials over there. Um, this really was great to see the world and actually make a living at it at the same time, to be honest with you. Was, was there some brands that you were associated with that you did a lot of work for during that period? Well, I like I based myself mainly in Barcelona and Greece because I, I traveled back and forth to those countries there because I worked so well in both of those because I guess I had that you know Hispanic look because I am Hispanic and but the Greek look as well but uh, I let you Pasquale I mean Corte Inglis I mean in 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 Greece I did stuff for 
the leading brands of cigarettes, Asos. I did for Corona Pasta, for uh, Nescafe, for, you know, you name it. I pretty much had done everything there. I was on billboards. So it was pretty interesting, you know, getting a taxi and the cab driver kind of like staring at me, staring at me, drive by a billboard and kind of like point, oh, that's you. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty exciting to be actually recognize that much when you're just you know in a public place <laughs> i love the irony of a you're probably working out like crazy eating super healthy to stay in shape and then they have you do a cigarette ad that's got to be the irony no, of that one right yeah because i mean there was a lot involved in it you do you best definitely had to take care of yourself you definitely had to stay in shape because you never knew when they're going to want you to pull your shirt off and it was really funny there's one time i i got booked for a japanese client off my comp card and when we went to do the shoot, they're like, oh, my, you're much bigger than you look. So they actually had to cut the, all the backs of the shirts out and, and tape them together so it kind of looked like it fit me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, had to adapt, oh, yeah. adapt and move. Yeah, uh, and then there's doing stuff in bathing suits in the middle of winter and it's freezing cold. I mean, yeah, it was just you had to adapt to whatever whatever the scenario was and, uh, you know, be ready to go. You know, then after. It was you know, they, if they want you to look like the marble man, he just adapted to it, lit up a cigarette, and said, sure, I'll hold this thing for you, right? whatever it took. Yeah, that was it. I mean, there was actual times of doing a, a, a commercial shoot in Greece where we were at the bar and, you know, kind of like pretending like we're not out of the night having fun. They're like the whole time giving us drinks. So before you know it, not we're, we're just having fun. We were hammered at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it looked natural then. So you do this, and then how the hell do you go from that to getting back in the golf business? Well, I, I moved uh, back to uh, Miami in 97, and I worked quite well here because of all the cruise industries and all, all the other work here. Um, I was doing a lot of cruise line videos and commercials and, and catalog shoots and just everything here. Then after 9-11, the modern industry kind of died. So I went to work out at Doral. And within three months, I was running all the outside golf operation services. And um, I'm figuring, well, I'm here back because I, I played golf when I was younger and then I was kind of like got injured. And that's what, you know, I just kind of like stopped doing that and went to other things. But once I got back to work at Doral, I just started playing golf again. And, and being in the outside golf service, it was really funny because I was always trying to make things better to make the daily business function more. But then also I started talking with customers and had issues with losing their shoes or losing their golf clubs. And I was always trying to think of a way to do something to benefit golfers. And, you know, I, I did a couple of little products. I did a little strap for a glove. I, I did uh, a, a thing for a shoe holder or your golf bag, kind of like experimental stuff. I actually produced some product. I applied for the patents on, on one of them, received the patent. Uh, but then it was like, you know, if you're really going to do something in this golf world, it's, it's not going to be from accessories. So that kind of led into I left Doral. I started working on Fisher Island. And within time, I became an assistant pro there. And through teaching, I just kind of like really was paying attention to people's setup issues with putting, their breakdown issues from body manipulation. And I always putted as a kid with my thumbs down the side of the putter grip, right on the two ridges. So trying to incorporate that in, in teaching, people are like, I understand what you're going for, but there's, it's not comfortable. There's no place for me to rest my thumbs in a comfortable position. 
So I went home one night and I cut apart three grips and glued them together with shoe glue and came up with the original edge shape. <laughs> and uh, that's pretty much where that started. And within a month, I was on a plane. I was headed over to China to work with the find factories, find manufacturing, and, you know, that was a chore. I went through five factories in my first year. And then through the process of the USGA, it was two years, seven different submissions. So it's it's quite a journey that people don't really realize to actually, you know, develop and present a product, which I'm sure you know about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a lot of just to, you know, to get it to where you want. It's a lot of behind the scenes work right now. But that's the goal. We want it to look simple like here it is. But there's a lot to it. Um, yeah. When you prototype the grip, when that you know, kind of like homemade the first version and you gave it to customers and. Was there like an, an initial like light bulb going on like, okay, this feels better or you saw improvement? Like we really encouraged pretty quickly that this is the right path for you? Well, I, I, you know what? It's, what I thought was, wow, this is the best thing ever. I knew that in my mind. But you know what? It's like I knew I had something good, but I really didn't realize how good it was, to be honest with you. Because I was actually – what happened was like, you know, I – put it on a putter and obviously it fell apart because it was glued together with shoe glue. So the solvent ate right through the shoe glue. So I had to actually tape it onto the, to the putter. So after I got the initial feedback from people and everything, I knew I had, a, had, had a product. So that's like I said, I went to China and I got samples. And so when I first put the original samples on, on a putter and was playing, I, I met these two older gentlemen that were playing golf and they told me, wow, you, you should come and see our, our instructor. And, and, and talk to him about your putter grip. It's really cool. So I went and I met with this gentleman here in Miami. He was more than an instructor. He was also like more of a fitness guy and, and worked on body mechanics and everything else involved in the golf swing. So when I sit, showed him my putter grip, he kind of laughed at me. I said, you find something funny here? And he says, well, to be honest with you, I don't think you really realize what you've created. Obviously, it feels good, but let me explain to you what it's actually doing to the body position, which I kind of like from the flaws, what I saw in people's putting, I was kind of going after that aspect, but I hadn't been able to actually test it in a proper way with all the data testing and certain, you know, types of they were doing with, with their the business. Now, this was probably more than 10 years ago when this first started, when I first had my first prototypes. So now, now we've evolved a long way now with everything, the fan lab and all the other kinetic systems and everything else that's out there and putting, the blast motions. There's so many things adaptable for data testing now. It's incredible. So in a nutshell, like how does it, what makes it, you know, like on the simplest terms, like for somebody listening to this, like what makes it better? Like so now you can study all the biomechanics. You can study the stroke, how it improves with your grip. And, you know, full disclosure, we sell the grip, you know, on, on Sub-70. We like the product, along with other grips. But it's, it's a really good product. It really is. Like, we believe in it. Otherwise, we wouldn't have it on our website. But, like, what's the what's the basic, you know, fundamental of why you see improvement with, with your technology? Well, basically, I think 56 Tour Wins also stands for a lot to say about my product. Absolutely. You know? um, so, basically... The whole premise around around the Garson grips, like I said, it all started with the maxes, which is the two flat sides on the side. So what that is actually doing is getting your body into a more natural position. What I mean is it's like getting your hands more open side to side, 
and it's actually tucking your elbows into your body, really, really locking your wrist into the stroke and setting the shoulders back, allowing the bigger muscles to use, be used and be used more consistently. But then when you're, when you're at, adding manipulation to your putting stroke, you know what, what it's going to do. And to try and repeat that every time, it becomes more difficult. The grips actually allow you to create a more repetitive natural putting stroke, which will in turn lead to be more consistent putter. And is that what you see, especially with amateur players, a lot is way more use of hands versus the big muscles and kind of, you know, I always think like, in my mind, I want to put it like Steve Stricker, where it's just, you know, no, no hand manipulation, rock the shoulder, rock the shoulders. Does the grip make that professional motion a little easier? Oh, and definitely does. And, And the thing what makes it easier, like I say, it really helps you get into the same position every time, which is the key to putting. I mean, if you're not set up properly from the get-go, you, you, good luck. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Well, yeah, the grips just really help you benefit in everything from setup to body positioning to less tension in your stroke, more repetitive, more consistent putting stroke. So you've got this product, and now we're going to take this thing on the road. So you're, you're, you're going to go to the big leagues. You're out in the PGA Tour. How, how long does it take, or what's that process for a tour player to see you enough times out there to go, hey, what do you got here? You know, like, how did that process work to get in some tour players' hands? And maybe, like, who were some of the first couple tour pros that, you know, put it in play and were successful with it, you know, as early adapters? Well, it, you know, being out on the PGA Tour, it's like after now being out there seven years, it's a big family. It's it's a lot of trust you build with players and coaches and just all the other reps and everything else. But, I mean, Literally, I was probably out on the PGA Tour for a good three months before I really started getting any recognition, before anybody really wanted to come by and spend any amount of time with me. And one of the first that really came by and, and was took some interest, I mean, granted, a lot of guys stopped by, looked at it, but because of the different shape, wouldn't even ask me anything about it. It's kind of like, wow, this thing's different, and we'd throw it back on the, on the, on the golf bag. So I was down at, in, in uh, Phoenix at the West the Waste Management Open and J.B. Holmes came by and this was act words. He put it in his hands and threw it back in the bag and says, what the hell is this thing? Is that, is that on crooked or what's wrong with it? And I kind of laughed. I said, J.B., can I explain it? He goes, sure, go ahead. I said, well, first of all, how's your putting been lately? And he kind of laughed. He goes, well, you got me there. And I said, well, do me a favor. Let me explain it to you. Put your hands on it and put it for about five minutes. Tell me how you feel. So we putted, and he goes, yeah, it feels a little different, but actually it feels pretty good. I said, well, Howard Twitty was over on the other side of the putting green fam lab out there, and I said, JB, go, go over and have your stats checked through Howard. Within five minutes, his caddy walked back and said, give us a head cover for that putter. It's going to play this week. His stats have never been that good. And that's basically my whole concept is give it 10 minutes. It's going to feel a little different in the beginning, but after 10 minutes – you know, we were all taught how to putt one way. Nobody said it was right or wrong. Um, what is right? Basically, putting is all technique. It's all So I think once you get used to the field, the technique is just going to become more natural. And then, you know, J.B. Holmes, you know, went on to be successful with the grip, you know, won three times with it within, within two years. Um, you know, uh, Jim Ferrick put it in play for a while. And then, you know, the claim the fame with Henrik Stenson putting it in play and, and, you know, winning the British Open with it. And that's really when the company became recognized as a legit competitor out on the tour. 
And I think people really start taking me a lot more seriously, to be honest with you. Could, could you even watch that final round between that show, between him and Mickelson? How, how, I mean, you knew he was playing the grip. How nervous were you? I mean, I mean, nervous isn't the word because I know Henrik had had great success with that grip and, you know, finished second I don't know how many times. You know, he, he and Tony both have probably had more second-place finishes combined than, you know, pretty much the whole anybody else on tour, to be honest with you. And it was just always so frustrating because, you know, nobody really cares about second place. You gotta win. If you've gotta win. My wife couldn't understand, but honey, you've gotta, they took second. I said, honey, I'm very happy, but the recognition doesn't come unless it's a tour win. You can't count second places, you know, or for your own gratification, you can, knowing that it's successful, but it's not something that you want to be known as, oh, great, I've got a great company that my players are coming in second place every week. That might have been one of the greatest final rounds in major championship history of that battle between those two, right? Like, that was phenomenal golf. I, I mean, to to have seen that and witnessed it, was it was pro- it brought tears to my eyes. It was, it was just like, I, could, I still remember it. It was just, like, so emotional because, like, wow. You know, it's like I really am now a legit recognized company, and this really put me on the map. Yeah. Yeah, and he played – I mean, he made a lot of good – well, they both did, but Stenson right, put it, was, it unbelievably good that day. Every one no, he needed, he made. Oh, yeah. And then make the birdie on the last hole is even yeah, just to top it off. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's a great win, man. In my favorite tournament of the world in the world, right? I, oh, if you, you gave me one, I would take that one. Give me an Yeah, I, I, I far. And then to Tony's first win at, uh, at the Puerto Rico Open, winning in the playoff. And then I, and how many other times did Tony get in the playoffs and, and not pull it off? I mean, we were people are always beginning to do, you know, talk about Tony like he can't finish off a Sunday. You know, but I think that issue is done. I think we've yeah. seen that. <laughs> yeah, I think, yes, right? I mean, it's big step forwards, right? To go back, it's so hard to win. Then to go back-to-back like that and finish no. him <laughs> off, it's huge for him. It really is. Yep, yep. Um, I know you do some coaching as well with some of the tour guys. How You know, you have this, the, the grip product, right? And then was it kind of, with your background in the PGA, was it kind of a natural extension for when the guys come to you a little bit and you can still analyze a putting stroke pretty well, especially with your, your grip on it and say, yeah, let me see if I can help you here and put a set of eyes on it. That was that just sort of a natural progression of what you were doing. I, it all kind of really led that way, mainly out on the corn Ferry tour, because, you know, a lot of those guys, you know, most of them don't work with coaches or the ones that, you know, the ones that are really top echelon that are making money or have family background money, the ones that can really afford the coaching and stuff like that. So a lot of guys out there are kind of like homemade swings, homemade putting styles and everything else. And once I get the guy into play, you know, I kind of like, once I give them the basic rundown of how to, how to like, you know, grip the grip, hold, you know, putt with the grip, what it's doing to your body, they'll call me and say, hey, Bernie, you coming out this week because I, you know, I'd really like for you to like kind of watch my stroke and maybe help me a bit. And so it's become now a little bit more every time I go out there. Guys were telling me, I wish you were out here every week because it really benefits you being here to, like, help me out a little bit. Because, I mean, there's so much going on week to week out on the tour to try and keep track of, you know, your putting stroke, your swing, your this, all the tension, all the pressure, especially when you're, you know, fighting to get a PGA Tour card. Or is that end of the year? It's just it's insane the amount of pressure that's on these guys. You know, this life change. Yeah, can you see it though now? Like the more you've done it, is your eye getting better and better and better of fixing it or helping a guy out? Like, is it just 
the experience that you have with it now, are you pretty, can you diagnose the problem pretty quick and get them to get the proper stroke pretty quick with the experience you have? There, yes, very much so. I mean, it, it's funny as I've taken money from tour players. I mean, everybody asks who's the best putter on a tour. People will say Bernie. <laughs> I mean, it, it's really funny because they're they're all like, yeah, there's nobody plus better than Bernie out here. I mean, I mean, I'm on the putting ring all day long. Of course, I'm going to putt. It's also making me look good because I guys say, damn, you can putt. So it's got nothing to do with me, man. It's the grip. You know, it's the grip that becomes such a putter. And yeah, tour players, I've taken hundreds of dollars from players, other reps and guys know now don't even try to put against Bernie. Cause you know, there's times I'll be out there. I remember when blast was out there with the blast motion and the, the gentleman who was repping the product was watching me putt. He's, he, he was telling me, how do you make so many putts when you're, when your stroke to me doesn't even look that good. I said, me, it doesn't look that good. I said, okay, fine. Cause I, I'm out there just playing around. So, when he put me on the blast motion, he was kind of like, wow, your stroke is like incredible. And I said, I'll tell you what, it's not my stroke. I said, let's get an average, average player out here, a tour player, and we'll show him the benefits of what his putting stroke is with his grip, and we'll put him in a Garson grip, and we'll check the numbers. 99.9% .9 of the guys that did this test actually ended up putting better, and Probably more than most of them are still in the Garson grip. See the numbers because the numbers don't lie. Right, right, right. But but you can as a te as a former PGA pro, you can you can also put the grip on. And I guess the question I'm asking is like your eye is probably better than ever from the experience on both sides of that of teaching and the grip technology to coach. Right, like you can kind of look at someone's stroke. I'm guessing I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but look at it pretty quick and go, let's think about this. And, and sync it up, for lack of a better word. Well, I, as much time as I spend on the putting green, I analyze a lot of guys, but I'm not going to walk up to, to to a PGA Tour player and tell them, you know what, I think this is wrong with your stroke. No, no, if, you they ask, if they ask you, if they ask oh, you oh, for oh, help. Right, if they ask me, definitely, because, you know, the whole thing with a PGA Tour coach out there, I mean, a lot of coaches I know don't might not believe in my philosophy or, or my my whole deal with what the putting grip is doing everybody has their own little niche of what they're trying to teach or why they think their t their technique is better i mean you know nothing to put stockton down but you know his whole thing was the forward press right. um and i know that you know that i did talk to stockton before and he was like tell me well your grip doesn't fit into my teaching philosophy and there's other other coaches out there that i know have told me that, well, what I'm teaching, it doesn't work for my player. I mean, that's what I'm talking about with all the politics out there. But it, to me, I mean, the coaches like Pete Cowan, who's, you know, main, the main reason why I got in Henrik Stenson's hands, I mean, he's a firm believer in, in my grip. Phil Kenyon also is a big believer in my grip. Um, I mean, Phil told me, he goes, he goes my, your grip is so good, my mother uses it. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's it's. I mean, the, the, Mike Shannon is probably is the very first putting coach I met out there, and Mike Shannon to this day still swears that I have the best product out on tour. Well, I was going to ask you about Pete Cowan too, because I'm fascinated of his success. It's like <clears throat> him and Butch Harmon. It's like you've gotten to be. I know you've become close to Pete. Like what what makes him get the most out of the guys he works with? Because he doesn't make them all swing the same way, right? But like, what is his 
is he more of a, is it half a mental coach? Obviously, you know, is he really good at just subtly, you know, helping guys with the golf swing? Like, what is his secret that it's just, it works if you work with Pete Cowan on a professional level? I, I think what really is important as coach is your player has to believe in what you're teaching. I mean, if the player is not happy and satisfied, I think a lot of, like you say, is mental as well with the player being able to relate to the coach and, and the coach being able to get things across to get into the guy's head that, listen, what I'm teaching you is working. I mean, because there, there are times when I, when I talk with Pete and I say, how's Henrik doing this week? He goes, uh, his head's just not into it. I mean, when they can see that and be able to, you know, pinpoint that in the player and to get the player back to where their head needs to be, I mean, that whole that whole thing for a guy to go out there and play for four days, you've got to be in a zone. You know, you can't have any distractions. You can't have any doubts in your putting stroke, in your golf swing. If you're doubting, it's that's one thing that's just going to stay with you, and it's just not going to help at all, you ask me. Because Pete also he played the European Tour, right? Like, he was a high-level player. Yeah, Pete was, a, Pete was a very, very player, exactly. And I think just because of his success, you know, guys do trust that. I mean, compared to other coaches, it's like, okay, if you can't hit a golf ball, who's going to believe you're, you're, you're a good putting coach or you're a good swing coach? If you're not a good putter, who's, why should somebody put their trust in you as a putting coach? Yeah, I always said I could probably help Butch so much that, you know, people think of him as a great teacher, which he is, but he was a tour player and won on the PGA Tour, right? Like, Definitely. He, yeah, I mean, so when he's talking to his guys on – What's it take on a Sunday or what's that lifestyle? I mean, he lived it and did it and succeeded out there at the highest right. level. So, boy, that – and I know Pete played the European. That's what I thought. He played very high in the you know level of golf on the European tour for years. Like, there's still a credibility to that, right, that he's – he understands the other side of, of playing professional golf at the highest level. And he's done it. Exactly. Well, and wanna, that – I'm sorry. Yeah, expand on that, please. I think it's fascinating. Of like you said, just no. That's why I think a lot of players believe in Pete. You know, um, he's been successful in his career. A lot of guys that he coaches have been successful. So it's, I think players do look at that as well. Like who's working with this guy? Pete has worked with probably every European player out there. I know, and also America. I know relationships don't last forever. People have fallings, fallings out, and they want to try something different. Doesn't mean that it's because he was a bad coach, right? Right. Well, they seem to have a good relationship post even working with him, from what you kind of read and see. Right. But but as I said, if you look at the success all his players have had, it's obviously he's got to be doing something correct. I agree. It's like him and Butch Harmon. Like what? What in the hell is that? I mean, those guys are so good at getting the no. most out of their guys. They just are. There's, it's fascinating it to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, they. you look at some of the best players out there, Tiger Woods, who was his coach? <laughs> yeah. Harmon. Yeah. You know, so in Stenson, you know, major winner, Pete Cowan. Right. Was, I, mean, I mean, I know Pete worked with uh, Matt Fitzpatrick. I know Pete's worked with Rory. I, you know, he's yep. worked with, with everybody. So, yeah, so everybody – I think trust Pete enough to know that he knows what he's doing out there. Absolutely. Um, new products. Where, where is there anything without giving too much away of what you're thinking of some new ideas, new concepts, and would you ever consider doing a swinging grip as well from 
just your experience of being out there on tour and all that stuff, you know, of would that be an expansion that we might see from Garson? So going back to, you know, new innovations and, and designs, um, we, we've been speaking mainly about the max grip. So, you know, after being out on tour for a few years and talking with players, you know, that were telling me, I understand what your concept is, what you're going for here, but I'm too traditional to even ever think about getting in that position, which as I say, you give yourself five, 10 minutes in a max grip, you're going to be amazed what the feeling is, the sensation is going to be given in your putting stroke and just how much better it become. So from that, you know, the thought came to my mind, well, how do I make a more traditional grip with the same benefits? So every time I come up with a concept or design, I did do a little bit of talking with Mike Shannon and I showed him some prototypes and he was like, well, this is great. What have you been, what are you thinking about? You definitely should be doing this. So, the quad line was developed with the same same philosophy as the max. It's the same the same exact technology, the same innovation that is putting your hands in the proper position every time. It's getting your wrists locked in. It's getting your elbows in your body and your shoulders back in the proper position. Created the more consistent playing stroke. So as I said, now I have uh, seven different designs total. Uh, in my grip, I'm actually now working on two more designs that I'm in the process of working with China on. So I'm just, I just want to keep on innovating and keep on seeing what, where I can, how far I can push the needle. And basically my whole goal is to become the number one putter grip out on tour and the number one putter grip in the world. And it's been an uphill battle, but it's been a battle that, you know what, I'm going to keep going until I reach the top and I know I will. Well, I've got some quick hitters here at the end for you since you're traveling all over the place. Um, What's some of the best cities on tour, like, people might not think of, right? Like, you know, of course, you know, Boston's a great city or New York, whatever. But is there some cities that you were even surprised how great the culture is, the food, you know, the tournament, all of that stuff? Like, is there some places you've really enjoyed visiting that you may have not, you know, had on your radar? Well, you know, traveling every week, we do go to a lot of cities where, you know, maybe Applebee's is your best restaurant in town, (laughs) to be honest with you. Uh, mainly a lot on the, on the Corn Ferry Tour as well. Um, but, you know, as far as the PGA Tour goes, pretty much every stop is in a big city or close to a big city. But I will say one of my favorite places probably is for the food as well is Louisiana, um, you know, right down there in New Orleans. I couldn't imagine being there in the middle of, New, of Mardi Gras, but New Orleans is, is a great city. I mean, Vegas actually has a lot of, lot of great great restaurants as well. Once you get away from the strip and you talk to the locals there, I mean, there's incredible, incredible sushi in Las Vegas, believe it or not, which uh, you'd almost be afraid to think about eating sushi in a desert city. Um, but no, um, but probably my most favorite place, let me think. Um, actually, I really enjoy going down to Playa Department um, for for the, the tour down the, the during the fall series because it's basically after the long road on tour for the, for the year, it's kind of like your little vacation stop where you can actually like, you know, staying right there on the beach, the beautiful, beautiful scenery. Um, I really enjoy Mexican food. So the Mexican food is right next to every restaurant next to it. So that's Mexican food or, so I would say Playa de Carmen is, is really a great spot. And it's just so close for me to live in Miami. It's only an hour and a half flight away which is a direct flight now, which is very hard to come by flying with the airline. So that's, it's a lot of fun. 
what tour event on the big tour has just the best atmosphere for the fans in your opinion? Well, it's got it's got to be the waste management. I mean, that down there, if nobody's ever seen it, that atmosphere is something that you just can't believe. Even though, even on practice days, it's like what you figure a tour event was going on. It's just insane. That 16th hole, that far three with that, with that arena that got there, just to hear that, the roar that, you know, what you hear on TV compared to being there and seeing is such a different feeling. Best two or three golf courses you've ever had the pleasure of playing and what did you love about the architecture of those courses? Well, I grew up in California, so I played PV where the ladies play on a tour there. Uh, but probably one of my favorite courses, was, which wasn't, isn't on tour, was in um, Dominican Republic, the Teeth of the Dog. Just being there on the ocean for nine holes and being up inland, for the other nine holes, just the change of the scenery and just the beauty of the of the ocean breeze and actually hitting off the tee box and having the water smashed up against the rocks and the mist coming over, over your body. It was just sensational. Um, I did actually get a chance to play um, Riviera at one point in time in my youth, which is a phenomenal golf course as well. But I, one thing I do miss is, is the courses in California, more hilly golf, golf courses. That's where I grew up on. That's what I played. Living in Florida now, everything's pretty pretty flat, so it's kind of boring. And it's believe me, as much as I travel, I love to play more, but I just don't really have the opportunity to play. I mean, I could play every week if I wanted to. A lot of reps do go out and play on a Monday, but you know, I usually travel in on a Monday. So after traveling, working all day, the last thing I want to do is go go out and hit a golf ball. <laughs> well, continued success with everything, you know, and thanks for partnering with us at sub 70, you know, we're proud to put those putter grips on our, our putters. So keep up the great work. Uh, like I said, we love the association with you. And like, thanks for your time today, man. It's such an interesting story. And I know the hard work and, and what it's taken for you to get it to where it is. And you, you know, we, I have the utmost respect for you and your company and in what you're doing. It's a, it's a really interesting story. And I love seeing, you know, people succeed and, and you're living the dream with that stuff. So we could not be more proud to have the association with you. Well, Jason, I'm really honored and, and feel very privileged to be here with you today. I'm just so happy working together with you. And I just see a lot of success for us in the future because, you know, the Garson brand is growing more and more every day. Uh, the distribution worldwide is just getting really to the point where, it's, you know, beyond belief. You know, you, you dream of these days, but when they actually happen, it's a whole nother feeling. I'm sure you know that as well as I do. We just keep grinding it up, right? Grinding it up one at a time, right? That's what we're doing. It's you know, I you know I don't listen to little voices in my head anymore. Anymore, the only voice I listen to is myself. Tell myself you can do this. You can do it exactly. It's it's a it's a the, you know struggles the, the the grind or the struggle is is half the fun, right? Because it, it shouldn't be easy and it's not easy. But I always tell people I'm the luckiest person in the face of the earth that I get to do this every day for a living. Not only like run the golf company at sub seventy and do all that, but like even to have these really interesting conversations. Like I love doing this. My it's, you know, it's been, it's been so much fun to get to do this stuff. So I'm sure you feel the same way. So we'll keep, we'll keep plugging at it. Exactly. Right. It's, it's, it's incredible. I, lo I love the journey. Exactly. Hey, Bernie, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Not Jason. My pleasure.